This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. Now, yesterday my wife Jen had to go down to Brisbane, the nearest capital city, to do her citizenship interview to become an Australian citizen, and I'm glad to say that she passed with flying colours, so that's very exciting that very soon she will be uh, an Australian citizen, but I, I decided to go down with her, of course, and uh, while we were down there and while she was in the meeting, I decided to stop off at St. John's Cathedral. It's this gorgeous cathedral right in the heart of Brisbane uh, and just such such a beautiful building and such a peaceful place to go in and sit down and, and read and think and, and, and you know, just be in a nice quiet space uh, in, in beautiful architecture. And so I've been doing a lot of that lately when we go down to Brisbane is just finding time to go into these kind of sacred spaces and and, uh, and, and, you know, just experience the wonder and the magic of, of such a building. And, and when I was in there this time, I kind of got in and uh, the nice guy at the front, Alan, a shout out to Alan, who showed me around as well, very kind person. And um, yeah, he mentioned that uh, they were only going to be open for 15 more minutes. And I had brought Seneca's letters with me to sit down and read for a bit. Uh, but uh, I thought, okay, I've got 15 minutes. What am I going to do here? So long story short, <laughs> this is why I'm actually jumping way ahead today uh, to a letter that is uh, actually quite appropriate uh, for reading in a, uh, in a cathedral. It's Seneca's letter number 112, entitled On Reforming Hardened Sinners. So, it was definitely a good letter to be reading in a cathedral, and uh, and it's quite a short one, but I, I really, really like the the lesson that is taught within this letter. And, and so, I wanted to read it to you today. Uh, as I said, it's very brief, so I'm going to read the whole thing, uh, but then I want to discuss my thoughts on kind of what it means to me and, uh, and what it might mean to you as well. So, I'll read the letter and then we'll dive in and see where we find ourselves. Seneca says, quote, I am indeed anxious that your friend be moulded and trained according to your desire, but he has been taken in a very hardened state or rather, and this is a more difficult problem, in a very soft state, broken down by bad and inveterate habits. I should like to give you an illustration from my own handicraft. It is not every vine that admits the grafting process. If it be old and decayed, or if it be weak and slender, the vine will either not receive the cutting, or it will not nourish it and make it a part of itself nor will it accommodate itself to the qualities and nature of the grafted part. Hence, we usually cut off the vine above ground, so that if we do not get results at first, we may try a second venture, and on a second trial, graft it below the ground. Now this person, concerning whom you have sent me your message in writing, has no strength, for he has pampered his vices. He has at one and the same time become flabby and hardened. He cannot receive reason, nor can he nourish it. But, you say, he desires reason of his own free will. Don't believe him. Of course, I do not mean that he is lying to you, for he really thinks that he desires it. 
luxury has merely upset his stomach. He will soon become reconciled to it again. But he says that he is put out with his former way of living. Very likely. Who is not? Men love and hate their vices at the same time. It will be the proper season to pass judgment on him when he has given us a guarantee that he really hates luxury. As it is now, luxury and he are merely not on speaking terms. Farewell. End quote. So this is actually one of my favorite letters from Seneca. You know, it's just, it's so short, but there's such a richness about it. There's, there's such beautiful visuals in here. And there's, uh, you know, some really great ideas and metaphors that can help you to think about uh, your own life and the vices that you're holding on to. And, uh, and the first thing that I want to kind of break down here in this letter is actually the title, because uh, it's called On Reforming Hardened Sinners. And one of the most useful things that I learned in relation to that word, sin, uh, is that it actually is derived from an archery term, which means to miss the mark. And when I learned that, I thought, oh, that's, that's great, right? Because it really brings it closer to me. It brings the term closer to me, brings it down to my level, right? Because not everybody can really resonate with the, you know, Judeo-Christian version of the word sin and, and all the connotations that come with that. However, we can all on some level resonate with the fact that we do miss the mark many times in our lives. We can resonate with the fact that, you know, there are times when we don't live up to our potential, when we don't aim correctly, you know, when we don't align ourselves with our potential in order to move forward to a better way of being, a better life. And and so that is something that, you know, we can all think about in our own lives. And, and, and that's the kind of person who Seneca is talking about here, a person who is so deeply conditioned by their vices and so deeply habituated into missing the mark in their own lives. You know, they feed their vices, they feed these moments when they miss the mark. And as a result, as Seneca says, they have become, you know, flabby and hardened. I really, really like this kind of uh, this kind of picture that Seneca gives us of the the unreformed sinner, the person who constantly misses the mark. Right? It's 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 this idea that you know they are hardened because they will not receive reason, they will not receive instruction or wisdom. Right? But at the same time, they are very soft because they have, they have become soft through their vices. They have allowed themselves to sit back and miss the mark time and time and time again, which makes you weak. It only makes you weak. And Seneca goes on to give this beautiful metaphor taken, as he said, from his handicraft of, of keeping a vineyard, where, you know, they would try to graft the vines together above the ground, but if a vine was too thin or weak, you know, it just wouldn't happen. And so what needed to happen was that they would need to graft the vine below the surface, underneath the soil, right? You know, and, and that that is a really beautiful uh, metaphor to think about when it comes to your own uh, moments of missing the mark in your own life. You know, the moments when you actually come together and decide that you're going to actually make a change and, and when those changes do actually happen are often the times when you've gone below the surface. You know, you've, you've, you've really come together internally, right? It's not an external show for your persona, right? It's not, it's not some mask that you're wearing saying, yes, I'm virtuous and I'm doing this and I'm really changing my life. And it's not coming from your words above the surface. It's coming from below, right? That's when the change really happens, when it's deep within you. 
And so as a result, Seneca says, you know, don't believe your friend. Don't believe his words. You know, no, no, he might actually believe that he is reformed and that he's going to change, but you shouldn't believe him until there's actual proof of the fact that he has changed and that he is ready to start hitting the mark, you know, to stop missing the mark, but to start hitting the mark and to start moving away from those vices and towards uh, greater goods. And you know, when I talk about this, because we're using such religious language, you know, like vice and sin and all this sort of stuff, I really can't help but be brought back to uh, this lesson that I learned when I was in church when I was younger. You know, and it was one of these funny lessons that, um, you know, if, if you've ever been a Mormon or if you are a Mormon or if, uh, you know, you went to church when you were younger, uh, you know, you might remember conversations around this idea of a broken heart and a contrite spirit, right? It was this idea that that, you know, when you are truly reformed, when you are truly ready to, to give in and to, to try and move towards better aims and to stop, you know, wallowing in all of your vice, you know, you, you had to come to God, in a sense, uh, with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And it was one of these lessons that whenever it was brought up, you know, everybody was like, oh, gosh, are we really talking about this again? But <laughs> there's actually a real truth in that lesson, right, in that, when you are truly reformed, when you are ready to make change, when you're ready to truly move forward in your life and away from the vices in your life, it has to come from a place of extreme humility, right? You kind of have to have a broken heart to recognize, man, I, I just can't do this, you know? Like, I, it's so difficult to move away from these vices. It's so difficult to make positive change in our life. And at some stage, we need to kind of humble ourselves and recognize, man, this is... This is a difficult task, and if I'm going to be up to the task, then I need to be humble and I need to recognize that the path ahead is not going to be easy. It's not going to be anything but difficult and an uphill battle. And so when you have that humility and when you combine that with a contrite spirit, you know, this, this feeling of remorse, this recognition that you have not hit the mark in your life, that you've missed the mark multiple times over and over again, and that you've, you've fed those vices, you know, when you combine those two things, it's actually such a powerful mindset to be in that digs its roots deeper into our psyche, you know, below the surface level persona, the below the surface level superficial statement of I'm going to be better. And I think that the way that this idea of a broken heart and a contrite spirit can really relate to what Seneca is saying here is if you want an antidote to being that hardened person, you know, who doesn't receive instruction, who doesn't receive inspiration or, or knowledge or wisdom or, you know, that information that would help us and carry us forward out of our vices, if you want an antidote to that, then maybe humility is the key, right? The broken heart, the recognition that you're not everything that you could be, that you do miss the mark constantly, and that you don't quite understand yourself as well as you could understand yourself, you know, which would be helpful for you to then move past those vices, right? So humility is the key to that hardened state. But then the contrite spirit, right? That is the, the key 
or the antidote, right, to that softened state that Seneca talks about where you have fed your vices to such a degree that you've become flabby and weak, right? You know, a contrite spirit means that you recognize that you've done wrong, that you that you are remorseful, you know, and you might say remorseful to yourself, to who you are, because you haven't lived up to the mark, you haven't hit the target, right? And you haven't lived up to your true potential to be that honorable vision of who you could be. And on that note, can I get an amen? <laughs> Sorry, it's blasphemous, I know, but, but you know, I feel like I'm getting a taste for preaching here, you know. Seneca is, is really opening up some doors here, right? Because, uh, you know, one of the ideas that we can take away from this very short letter is that what Seneca believes about a person is not what he hears from them, it's what he sees, and so he's not going to believe somebody who just says, yeah, I'm ready to change. I can't wait. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to move away from my vices. I'm going to move towards the greater good. Now, he doesn't believe that person. He wants to see the proof, right? He wants to see how they live their life. And to close this episode, I want to focus on a couple of ideas that Seneca gives us towards the end of this letter in the last couple of sentences. And I want you to go away and really, really meditate on this in your own life, right? So, firstly, he says that men love and hate their vices at the same time, right? We need to recognize this, right? You know, we wouldn't be engaging in these bad habits, these vices, if there wasn't something pleasurable about them, right? We are drawn to them for a reason, so we at least need to be humble enough to admit that. But then he says, it will be the proper time to pass judgment on him when he has given us a guarantee that he really hates luxury. And as it is now, luxury and he are merely not on speaking terms. Now, that is a very powerful line, right, that you really want to go and think about in your own life. You know, the vices that you have, uh, the times when you don't hit the aim, you know, when you don't hit that target. Are you really in the right frame of mind to be walking away from those vices? Are you really ready? Have you humbled yourself sufficiently? Or are you just in a period of your life where your vices have kind of annoyed you a little bit and now you're not on speaking terms with them, which will soon be over, right? And you'll be straight back to the same old bad habits. You know, I can definitely recognize this pattern in my own life. And I think that we all could if we looked deep enough, right? It's the habit of declaring our intentions to to make a positive change or to move in a certain direction. And within mere days of that declaration, you fall back onto speaking terms with your bad habits and your vices and all progress that you made is lost, right? Uh, this is a cycle that I think we all go through in many ways in our life. And what Seneca is encouraging us to do here is to recognize that uh, maybe it's not what you say to people around you that really means that you're reformed, that you are going to start uh, aiming higher and digging deeper, right? Maybe it's maybe it's actually what you do. It's the way that you live your life. And, and maybe that's going to be the proof to the people around you that you are ready to make the changes that would be necessary uh, for you to, to fully engage with your potential in a way that would be good for you and that would be good for the people around you. So anyway, I think that that's enough uh, preacher-like moralizing for one day, but I really do hope that you've taken a few things away from this episode, and I hope that you go and meditate on that question. 
Am I really reformed? Am I really looking to move away from my my vices and towards better things? Or am I just merely not on speaking terms with them at the moment? I think that that is such a great metaphor to use in our lives. And if you really think about it, right, you'll probably learn some, some brilliant truths about yourself if you're listening and if you're paying attention. So, I'll leave that with you. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. And hey, I'll talk to you next time. <music>